back to another episode of the corner guys boxing podcast this is thomas trambox here with my other host timothy rivera thomas it's good to see you today man good to see you too tim unfortunately for the show we have to open up with some sad news it appears sunday night boxing legend and great pernell whitaker was hit by a car in virginia beach and died on the scene it's really terrible news especially for not him just being a human being and being a great boxer, but only at the age of 55, um, you know, really way too late for somebody to pass, excuse me, way too early for somebody to pass away in their life. For many people that listen to the show, they should know who Whitaker is. Uh, if anyone that doesn't, he was a great multi-weight divisional champion, 40 wins, four losses, one draw, and three of those four losses came at the very, very tail end of his career. So pretty much he was a dominating fighter, was on pound for pound list for a long time as number one or number two. And in my opinion, definitely a top 20 boxer that I've ever seen. It's very tragic. Um, I was watching um, recently, I was watching him and uh, the fight he had with Trinidad. This was a, a way past his prime Whitaker. And, you know, he still gave the man a tough fight. One of the, definitely one of the top, you know, pound for pound boxers of all time. Probably the greatest defensive fighter I've ever seen. It's really tragic. You know, 55 is young, man. That's young as fuck. It's a shame, man. The man's a legend, and, you know, I feel bad for his family, and may may he rest in peace. And definitely, our condolences go out to all his family, friends, fans. You know, it's a big blow for the boxing community. As you were saying with the Trinidad fight, I remember that I was in 99. I was in the Navy. At past prime and going against the in-prime Trinidad he still won a good three rounds in that fight, gave him trouble with his defensive progress. You know, he's just a great defensive fighter, and he also had offense when he needs to have offense. He pulled um, before De La Hoya, the Hurtado fight. I remember he was down in the cards late in that fight with the De La Hoya fight on the line, and he pulled that out and stopped Hurtado in the 11th round. The De La Hoya fight, I thought he won. The mm-hmm. uh, Chavez draw, I thought that was a win. I mean, so when you really look at the whole career as a whole, it's just, you know, amazing, amazing career. And, you know, rest in peace to Pernal. I hope he's in a better place. Uh, you know, I can't really speak on the afterlife because you know, it's a boxing show, but I just hope he's in a better place and all his uh, past issues out of the ring is behind him. And he's just happy now watching down and hopefully this good upcoming weekend of boxing. Amen to that. And some brighter news, this past week in the boxing was actually pretty good. There was no uh, major fights that stuck out, but you had a lot of upsets. Uh, one upset where we were wrong with thinking Brandt would beat Murata. I thought that Murata had a chance to maybe get, being the fight in Japan, a hometownish decision where if he could keep it close enough, he'd get the benefit of the scorecards. But apparently Murata said, I don't need that. I'm just going to stop Brandt in the second round. And that was... Uh, Pretty much a shock to me there. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were both wrong. I think we both said that Brent was going to win that fight. But I beat the shit out of him. Let's just, <laughs> let's just say say what it was. But now who really wants to see Marat fight? <laughs> like, 
I know, I know he beat him, but this, you know, Canelo's not gonna fight him or any of these other top fighters. So, who who really wants to see that man fight? You know, style wise, I think he means some good ones. If um, Munguia went up to 160, him and Rod would be good because they're just offensive come forward fighters. So that would be interesting. If G3 was trying to get a, a, a belt, I could see him and Murata and G3 would probably travel to Japan. That would be interesting. As far as the Brandt fight, I just think he caught Brandt and it went downhill after that in that second round. Brandt really didn't try a hold, which I think a lot of these guys really have to start learning a hold if you're in trouble. You don't have to John Ruiz it for a whole fight. But, you know, when you're in trouble, that's that's the time of hold. And, you know, unfortunately, Brandt didn't hold. And I think Murata landed a abundance of punches in that second round it was something crazy and power shots and there was just no way brand could keep going i think it's funny because you know it's not like uh like i've been rocked by a shot before right like by a punch before as i'm sure everyone has it's not it's not that like the first thing that goes for your brain is not the hold, man and it's it's kind of it's kind of funny like how a lot of these fighters don't hold when they get hurt i, I don't see that shit as much as i used to you know, it, it, it actually goes back, like, to fundamentals, if you really think about it. And I don't see fighters when they're hurt hold as much as they used to. It's true. I, I don't know if it's a, a loss, loss thinking or just they just feel the necessity of punch or maybe just evacuate on their legs. But, I mean, I, I was not that I was a boxing expert, but when I first started sparring, I was always told, that, you know, if you're hurt, just hold. You know, just, yeah. that was one of the things to just do. So I mastered the art of holding a lot. <laughs> I turned into the white John Ruiz. <laughs> but it, it's just funny because, like, I don't want to get into the whole fundamental aspect of it. But I think it's an interesting point that you bring up, you know, because um, someone like Vladimir was criticized for holding a lot. But a lot of that was part of strategy, you know. And it actually made – I mean, the man had some – how many title defenses he had? I know he had the 10-year reign. I, I don't remember exactly how I many title defenses, but you got to figure within 10 years. Was it 18 or? It was something in the high teens, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think it was 18 or 19, something like that. And it's just um, a lot of these fights. Like, I, I criticize Shakur Stevenson, but if you look at him and a lot of these fighters that have this amateur pedigree, you know, fundamentals is, is just it's a gift, man. Like. It's one of these things that really will propel you to be a champion, you know? Yeah, I, I think a lot of times fighters can have a ring IQ, but you can't teach a high-level ring. Like Terrence Crawford, I think, just has a high-level ring IQ. I think some people can take the information and transform it into the ring, into their style. And Crawford's one of those people where I think, and Lomachenko also think has a very high ring IQ, where you understand every situation that you're in. And automatically, your brain can transmit and compute everything and let you know exactly what to do. Uh, back to the holding when you're hurt, I, I just think a lot of these guys, it's either A, a macho thing where they think they have to, you know, oh, I was hurt, I got to come back with something. Or B, their mind it just goes in a state of, you know, I wouldn't say fear, but in the sense, fear, shock, where it's like, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And you're trying to think of all these things. And one of them is unfortunately not holding, and then you take another 15, 20 shots, and you know either you go down again or the ref has to pull the plug or whatever the case is. But you know, holding I think should really be one of the first things, along with the jab and you know 
things like that when you first get into the sport and you first start to learn it where something essential that you I think you need in a fight. Uh absolutely. Do you think that um I'm not making like uh, excuses for him cuz like I say he got his ass kicked but do you think Brant went into that fight thing that he wouldn't there was no possible way he would win a decision? I mean it's possible cuz as you know you go on the road a lot and you're the B side it's you saw a few robbers this week we'll get into real quick later on in the show but a lot of times in the B side in fights you know you just don't get the nod of the I could understand if it's something close and you don't get it like maybe you should have won 115 113 they went that way the other way cuz you know in person fights are always a little bit different I understand that but some of these scorecards you see it's like I'll have somebody win a 116 112 and they wind up losing 117 111 like I'm pretty sure I know a score fight and I'm not that far off. So it, it's just the state of boxing. What it's gotten to is you expect to get robbed if it goes to the cards. And the worst part is it's that it keeps happening and it's just continually happening. And it's like, no one says anything about it or they do say something about it, but nothing really changes. Um, I, I don't know what could help this. Maybe a national commission. Whereas I always think if judges have a bad scorecard, they should have to automatically the next day or two sit down and review the fight. And I want to see, you know, some of these judges, if you say 118, 110 Canelo in the first G3 fight, all right, I want you to sit down and show me the 10 rounds that Canelo won in that fight. And then if you're off by a round or two, that still doesn't cover it. You know, you're, you're really, really off in something like that. And Teddy Atlas brought it up in a different situation, um, a phrase I like to use. The silent agreement, if you ever watch Atlas commentate and two guys get in a clinch and no one's punching, he'd always say there's a silent agreement between the two fighters where if I don't hit you, you won't hit me. And I don't think a lot of these judges are getting paid per se underneath the table. But I think, for example, if you're a judge of Golden Boy fights and, and let's say Canelo realistically, let's say lost 115-113, but you're getting paid five figures to go these golden boy fights if you don't have canelo winning do you think golden boy is really going to call you back for another five-figure payday for just judging for a saturday night and getting a free trip out to vegas it's a hell of a conspiracy you got there but i can see why you came up with that the, you know like when canelo fought floyd man wasn't um wasn't one of the scorecards a draw or some shit like that yeah 114 114 <laughs> I think I had that fight. Maybe I was scoring a little aggressively, but I think I had that fight 11-1 to Floyd. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see how you can have that near draw. And even this weekend, um, not to say anything bad about Golden Boy, but the De La Hoya Rios fight, one judge had it five rounds to De La, nothing, five nothing going in the final round for De La Hoya. When that fight was clearly one or maybe at worst three two reels how do you have it five and again it goes to my theory of if you go against a golden boy fighter not necessarily golden boy pick on him but any major promoter they're not going to have good time so yeah on these you know five figure paydays and i think some of these really really mega fights you're getting a, a good chunk of money just to go out on a saturday night and judge so you don't want to mess that money up so i, mean, I hate to say but I think, you know, some of these guys are like, you know, let me just give it to the house fighter and let me keep getting these paydays and these trips. I think it's a combination of that. And then I also think like any workforce you go to, any career you go to, some of these people are just idiots and can't do their job. And I think that's the other problem, too. Some of these people just need to retire. 
Absolutely, man. It just it forces the the fighter who is that um who is not the promoted fighter to fight differently. You know, to maybe not fight within the style. It's just uh like you said, it needs to change, man. And I'm not I'm I mean obviously this this conversation was formed by a knockout. Like, you know, Brant got knocked out, but it's just an interesting question that if you go to Japan, do you really expect to get a decision against someone who is a Japanese fighter? You know, um, or are you going into that fight with a, a mentality that you have to knock this guy out in order to win? You know, it just it makes the styles differently. Yeah, you, you, if you're a boxer, you're forced to take more chances in the back of your mind. You know, like you said, it really makes you switch up your game plan. If you're, let's say, in the 10th round, you think you're up 7-3 instead of maybe coasting for a round out of the last two. You know, you still feel you have to be in it and you have to keep fighting because you don't know what the scorecard is going to be. But oddly enough, in Japan, I thought that Andam lost the first Murata fight and they actually gave it to him, which was odd because I thought Murata actually got robbed on his own home country. Not necessarily robbed, but I would say a bad decision in his own home country. So... That was odd in that sense, and I don't know. It's just some of the judging is just really, really weird. But getting into the De La Hoya Rios fight, uh, if no one out there has seen it, great fight. The one judge that had a 5-0 for De La Hoya going into the sixth round should be shot right on the spot. Right after he handed that card in, he just should have been shot. Omar on the wire style is right in his face with a shotgun. That would have put an end to that nonsense. Who was the judge? Uh, I got to look it up, but one of the judges, I don't remember his name, but I, I saw it on Twitter's name, and I had to repost on Twitter because it was just like there's no way at all that that was five nothing double. And it was a great fight. It was good back and forth action. Like I thought, Rios was up four one, maybe three two. But I definitely thought he had the lead. So for somebody to say it was five nothing double, it's just completely left field. There's no way you could even come to that conclusion. But it was a great fight. Rios caught De La Hoya in the sixth round with an uppercut. With the right hand, De La Hoya went down, got up, later complained that his head didn't feel good, and he just wanted to stop the fight, which you never really want to – it's hard to say the word quit, and you never want to say that word or think of a guy quitting. But at the same time, you know, I, I wasn't in there getting hit from real, so I don't know what was going through De La Hoya's head or how his head was feeling or anything like that. And the guy having 22 fights, you know, I, I don't want to say he's a coward or quit or anything like that. You know, he gave it his best go, and it just wasn't there for him tonight. So I think he bounces back. Interesting career salvation for Rios going into that with three losses and lost two out of the last four and just, you know, a really solid win against De La Hoya in that fight. I mean, Rios has always been a tough dude, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is not an easy – he's not an easy out against anybody. So – and I've never really been high on De La Hoya. And I'm not saying that I thought that Rios was going to win. Don't get me wrong. But I have to say that, you know, Rios is always a tough out. He's he's one of these fighters. I think we talked um, um, about these fighters on the show before that. Um, you know, you fight them and you will discover if you're a real prospect or not. Yeah, um, look, I remember we talked about actually some of the Rios lost to um, Robinson Castellanos. Some of the Rios lost to, but he's that type of guy where you look at his record and you're like, ah, the record's not great, but, you know, he's a really tough out. I mean, he comes and brings his work pal every fight, and, you know, he's in it to win it. So Rios, Castellanos, a lot of these guys, you know, you realize if you're a prospect trying to go to that contender level or 
even a contender trying to go to championship level, uh, you know, you know what you're made of after you face those guys. Absolutely. You know, shout out to um, I was going to say Brandon Rios, but shout out to to uh, Rios and um, you know, who knows where Delahoy is going to go from here, man. You know, like yeah, I think I saw this this uh, interview with Tyson Fury. You know about uh, Anthony Joshua. It was circulated over Facebook and whatnot, and it says once a man swallows once, you know he'll swallow again. So. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I, I think well, Delahoy obviously has a promotional team behind him. I think it was up in a weight class, up to 126. Uh, I think that can help him. Maybe he was having trouble making that weight, but we'll see. Also on that card, Golden Boy took another L with um, somebody I covered on the Facebook page. Rocky Hernandez was supposed to be a top prospect for them, and Rocky Hernandez got absolutely clobbered or knocked out in one round. So basically, um. Uh, I once, I guess, the journeyman. He was twenty-one and three in the draw coming in, but somebody that he was supposed to beat uh, handily. And Rocky Hernandez got pretty much obliterated in one round. And if mm-hmm. uh, anyone wants to check the Facebook page, Tram Boxing Betting, I have a clip of that up, which uh, I pretty much just said that. Well, you can't always be riding the prospects of the the Monday report, and there, <laughs> there's my first L in the prospect of Monday reports. You see, you weren't wrong. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he will be great one day. You know, you you never know. Like, it all depends how fighter, you know, like how fighter comes back from a loss. You know, yeah. we saw Jim Williams do it against um, Jared Hurd. You know, yeah. like a loss isn't the end of the world. It definitely you know? is. But at least also at Williams, he lost a bigger man in Charlo. And he was pretty competitive. Besides the rounds, he got knocked down and. You know, in Hernandez's case, Gutierrez was a the guy they brought in. Like, all right, this is going to be a showcase fight on days, and 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 he just got hit, and that was pretty much it. Like I said, loss isn't the end, but in Hernandez's case, all the hype going in and the way he lost and who he lost to, it's not impossible, but it's it's kind of a tough one to come back from easily. At least, you know, he's definitely going to have to sort things out mentally in his head. I agree. I agree, but. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens with him. Let's see, but um, you, you're not wrong. All right, I I feel better about myself. I'll continue my Monday prospect alerts. Uh, <laughs> on the main event, uh, Ray Vargas beat Toki, Tomokai Kamita. I thought it was a little bit close when the judges had it, but I thought Vargas clearly won. Um, a lot of people aren't fans of Vargas being Mexican, having more of a boxing style. But again, going back to the holding. I mean, use the style that works for you. I'd rather be a 30-something and O undefeated champion than a 15 and 15 guy that puts on exciting fights. So that's the way I'm looking at it. You don't have to be a brawl if you don't want to be a brawl of Vargas. Just stick to what works. And what works right now is boxing around. So just keep doing that. <laughs> Shout out to Ray Vargas. But like I said, he's, he's one of the worst champions in boxing. And I still stick to that. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Vargas hatred is off the charts uh, on a card from New Jersey. Uh, Shakur Stevenson had beaten Alberto Guerrero. Uh, there's not much to say about the fight. Guerrero was a late replacement. Some of the knockdowns didn't honestly look like he even got hit. Not to suggest that he was paid to take a dive. I just think he took this payday late and said, you know what? I'm not going to take much major damage. I'll just hit the floor a few times and have this fight stopped. Uh, as far as Stevenson, after the fight, I remember he was calling out Warrington on social media afterwards, 
Warrington's looking unified, though, and I, I can't blame Warrington. Everyone uses the word duck so fast, but, I mean, Warrington just had three tough fights in a row. Then after his last fight, said he wants to unify next. So if that man wants to unify, let him unify. He went two fights in the underdog to Selby and to Frampton. They had another tough style fight matchup-wise after that. You know, if he's looking to unify, let him unify. Another side note before I let you get your speech on here. Um, on the Dazen card, Yoet Gonzalez actually called out Stevenson. And the point I brought up on Twitter was, all right, everyone's Warrington's ducking Stevenson, this and that. But if Gonzalez called out Stevenson in a ring right after his fight, and Stevenson hasn't even mentioned anything to Gonzalez, Stevenson ducking Gonzalez. I just think boxing fans too many times use the word duck. There's sometimes financially fights can't come off or, you know, another fighter's going for a championship or something other. So, I mean, a duck to me is when you're trying to get somebody to ring for like two, three years. Let's take Spence Thurman. That's getting into the duckish territory at this point, especially if Thurman beats Pacquiao this coming weekend and doesn't fight Spence. Then you're in official duck mode. That to me would be a duck. But for a guy that in Stevenson's case, that his only real good win is against Diaz, which is a good win, but still, it's not like Stevenson's even fought a top 10 guy yet, so I don't think a champion that wants to unify is ducking him. I don't know. I don't think he's ducking. I, I'll say that a perfect definition of ducking, if you want a, a dictionary definition of it, would be the Charlos. Those are the classic, classic duckers. The, the symptoms are you call out fighters that you know you never have any intention of fighting. And then when those fighters face better competition and you're still facing the fucking um, Brandon Adams of the world, then you call them out again because you know you have no intentions of ever fighting them. So there's a... A few boxers who I think duck. Um, I don't like using the word because I can't do it. I can't box. I, I'm not going to step in the ring versus anybody, so I can't call someone who is a professional boxer, you know, a coward or a pussy or anything like that. So, But the Charlos, man, they, I mean, you know, like, if the shoe fits, man. <laughs> and again, the Charles are brought up out of the blue by Tim Rivera. But I, I do concur with the Charlos. I mean, a historical duck, if someone wants to say duck, Riddick Bowe refusing to fight Lennox Lewis to me is, is something that seemed duckish where you just don't want to fight that person. Things like that consider a duck, not Shakur going on uh, Twitter, calling out Warrington, Warrington saying, if you have a belt, I'll definitely fight you next. That to me isn't a duck. He just wants to unify. Well, does it count like, let's say, in Mayweather's um, scenario where he waited until Pacquiao was old? Is that a duck? Or? I don't think it classifies as a duck. Uh, I, I understand that Mayweather a lot of times didn't fight people in the prime. Mosley's an example of Pacquiao. I won't say it's a duck, but, you know, it, it's very strategic in what he did to face a lot of guys in the last third of his career when they were past their prime as well. But, you know, I, I can't bash Floyd on really anything because he's made millions upon millions in the sport. And he's kind of conned people out in a way for building himself up as a villain and putting on great defensive fights. But a lot of these just weren't exciting at all. 
and he kind of knew that going in. That's why I think the last Floyd fight I bought was maybe the Cotto fight, and that was just because I was a big Cotto fan. But you know, after that, I, I just made sure I streamed everything. I wasn't going to give Floyd any of my money. F him. Let me ask you a question about uh, a follow-up question about Floyd Mayweather, if you don't mind. Like in your heart, right? I don't want to get into emotions because this is a boxing show. But in your heart, how did you feel about Andre Berto versus Floyd Mayweather? That was such. I I I didn't understand that. Well, I understood what he was trying to do was milk the public for another million dollar payday, and he got millions from that fight. Berto was washed at that point. Nothing against Berto. It's one of my first interviews in boxing years and years ago. Great guy, but you know he just wasn't the same fighter that he was, and even the fighter that he was. Wasn't you know Prime Berto couldn't even beat that version of Floyd or make it an interesting fight. So that was just you know, come on. The McGregor fight's another one where I told people that was just a scam, and you know I guess the big UFC people, oh he's gonna knock Floyd out. No, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's not gonna knock Floyd out. And that was such punch. That was such an easy bet. I bet Floyd by stoppage around seven through twelve, and it was so easy because I knew Floyd would carry him to a certain point to make it, you know, pay-per-view worthy and excitement and build up. And, and then I was like, once that seventh round came in, I just, I think I just went and made some snacks and stuff or maybe cut my lawn at midnight or whatever. I just knew that fight. I was getting that money at some point. So I didn't have to see it anymore at that. After that sixth round, I was like, well, that's just cash for me. So on to other things. (laughs) And I did F you, (laughs) but also, also from this past weekend, Two, well, actually three prospects over in London. One was George Joyce. He had a, I wouldn't say very exciting, but workmanlike effort against Bryant Jennings. Joyce showed pretty much everything we said about him. Um, he, he carried a good work rate all 12 rounds, which was nice to see. His defense has a lot of flaws where he can get hit, and eventually that's going to get him into trouble because once you face a heavy hit in the Bryant Jennings, you don't want to get tagged a lot. Uh, Brian Jennings did himself no favors by really not letting his hands go as much as he should have. I had 116, 111 Joyce. I could see it being maybe 115, 112. Uh, some people thought Jennings won. I I don't see that. I just think it's people just always claiming robbery on anything that is remotely close to somebody that they want to win. I I had it once. I had it the same as you, 116, 111. I mean, Jennings, he didn't really let his hands go too much, man. I think he had that. He could have had that fight. He could have, but he didn't let his hands go enough. One thing I can say about Joyce is it just feels like he has a future where he is going to get knocked out in a fight one day. Uh, I don't know against who, but it just it feels like that. Like, he has a tremendous work rate for a heavyweight. He appears to actually... From what I saw with Jennings, he seems to like you know have a a way to cut the ring off against you, and, and, and he's, a, he's a very active fighter. Um, I saw when he 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 fought Usyk in in the um what's that thing World, called World Boxing Series or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean Usyk was tagging him, and he was taking those shots pretty good. So <laughs> he's just one of these prospects nowadays, man. It's just like I don't know these millennial prospects who just they just have no fundamentals. <laughs> they have no fundamentals, man. Like he's gonna get tagged one day. He's in the heavyweight division. They're gonna he's gonna get tagged one day by a shot that he's not gonna be able to handle. He's gonna get knocked out. 
Yeah, with Joyce, it's weird. I mean, it looked like he improved his footwork, and his bottom half body speed isn't really bad. Like you said, he can cut the ring off. His foot speed isn't bad, but up top, he is so, so stiff. And it's just like, I think one day Joyce is going to throw a shot. Someone's going to duck it, thinking they ducked it, and they're going to stand back up or, you know, come back to the middle. And the punch is still going to be coming because it's so slow. And it's going to look really funny, but I'm going to predict this, that someone dodges a Joyce punch, gets back in his position, and the punch hasn't even gotten there yet, and they get knocked out from it because Joy Joyce is fighting underwater. Also on that card, though, some that really impressed me, um, Daniel Dubois stopped Nathan Gorman. I was never that familiar with Gorman, so it's hard for me to gauge the opponent-wise. But from the people I know from the U.K. said Gorman was a, a good prospect, and Dubois really looked really good he looked better than last time i remember him seeing him uh he had good power good speed he boxed well as far as setting up his shots using the jab stepped in and out you know used some angles and i think right now dubois at least from that appearance i remember last time we said he was kind of reminiscent of joshua but i thought he looked a lot more fluid and athletic in this fight and overall i'm i thought he was definitely a prospect where i wouldn't be shocked if move correctly that he got a heavyweight title in maybe about two years or so, at least from this performance. Nah, I agree. I mean, he still reminds me of Joshua, but I mean, you know what? He did look, he looked a lot more polished or improved from his last performance. I remember his last performance wasn't that good. I mean, it was okay, but you know, um, I remember he struggled a little bit if I'm not mistaken. You know, he looked really good. He definitely is one of his prospects to look forward to. His fundamentals are better than Joyce. If you look at it, man, he, he definitely a more fundamentally sound fighter than Joyce. Not to definitely. not on Joyce because Joyce, you know, he's 10-0. He, 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 just like you said, he's fighting on the water, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's fighting on the water, you know. But in the heavyweight division, it's interesting because you could win world titles looking like that. They, they should just fight each other, man. Fuck it. Get over with. In a way, I wouldn't mind seeing that. But in another way, it's I, I think they're both promoted under um, Frank Warren, if I'm correct. So if they're yeah. both promoted by Frank Warren, I can't see him putting them both in with each other, at least not now. I think you got to keep Joyce still on, you know, a Jennings level or below. Dubois, I think you definitely step up. I would send him to the United States before the year's up to face uh, at least a U.S. fighter where, like Gerald Washington just had to come from behind knockout against Salinas. I could see maybe Washington, Charles Martin, walking the earth like a god, as he would say, stop Daniel Martz, maybe somebody like Martin, just a U.S. fighter to have fans be a little bit more familiarized with him in the U.S. Uh, both those heavyweights, one for the U.S. Uh, and also on that same card, since we're talking about Jamal James, UD, the Tony DeMarco, I like James, but that division of welterweights packed. And again, I think he does a lot of things good, but nothing great. He's a lower top 10 guy, and he's just unfortunately a good fighter in a great division. So it's really hard for him to stand out. I just want to go back to Charles Martin. I don't know how many fans we have, but this is the fourth time. If if the fans out there are listening, the fourth time that my co-host Thomas 
has used Charles Martin in an example of a prospect to slump him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying with Martin, it's like, you know, right now it's twenty seven, two and one, twenty-four knockouts. She's thirty-three, six five with eight inch reach. She looks like a, a guy that would be a, a good heavyweight as far as build wise. And I still, you know, think he's not terrible. I mean, when he fought Kavrock, uh Kavnaki, you know, he gave him a good a good fight. I thought it was ninety six to ninety four and you know, he really, I think, redeemed himself in the Joshua fight. Not that Martin still, you know, isn't great, but he's a guy where, you know, if I was Dubois, I wouldn't really fear facing Charles Martin. And it, it's a fight that you could sell to the UK fans, and it's a fight where the US fans can, you know, get acclimated or know who Dubois is. And you can put on a nice little undercard or something, and, you know, it, it'd be a good heavyweight fa- fight for the fans, I think. All right, so who would win in this fantasy fight? It, 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 you got to really just think about this for a second. All right, Charles I'll try. Martin or Calvin Brock? I think Calvin Brock's better. Really? Yeah. I, I, not that Calvin Brock was an exciting fighter, but I think technically and skill-wise, he was better than, than Charles Martin was, or is, I should say. That that says a lot about Charles Martin. I never thought Brock was terrible. He was never an elite heavyweight, but I mean, Brock obviously lost to Vlad MSG and he lost the split decision chambers where he got his um, which ended his career with his retina. But um, you know, Brock Brock never had an ultimately big win. But you know, for those heavyweights of the late '90s, early 2000s, you know, he beat McCline, he beat. David Bostis, Zuri Lawrence, um, the lesser Embragmiov, uh, I don't remember his name, but the lesser of the two Embragmiov brothers or cousins, or even if they were related, I don't know. But, I mean, Brock wasn't bad. He just wasn't a puncher on a higher level, but I think he also had a banking accounting degree or something, so I'm sure he's doing good after the life of boxing. Shout out to Calvin Brock. Give me that loan. <laughs> Calvin Brock giving back to the community. So that was, I think, the, the, the major action that we just saw from this weekend. Um, some break, breaking boxing news out today that we'll cover a little bit in some certain fights. Uh, there's rumors of a unification at 175, which would be a great fight for the sport and a great fight for the light heavyweight division. With Artur Abedabev, he's the IBF champ, going against the WBC champ, the nail, Alexander... Gavazic, I will honestly say, I can never pronounce his name. Great Teddy Atlas trains him. But that, if it happens, it's supposed to be in the fall on the ESPN platform. I'm going to think ESPN Plus. And that would be a great fight if it comes off. I mean, whenever that fight happens, I'm going to take the day off because that is a great fight. Uh, I said it, and I know you disagree with me, that uh, Better Be is the best light heavyweight in the world. I, I truly think he has the, uh, the best I actually know someone who sparred with him, um, and I'm not going to name any names, but I know someone who sparred with him. They said they've never been they've been hit by heavyweights, and there's no one that they have sparred with that hits harder than this dude. Like he has some real tremendous power. I I still think he's going to be when it's all said and done, he's going to be the best light heavyweight in the world. The only thing, and I think we covered it last time we talked about him, that I fear is, is the chin. The Jeff Page knockout, knockdown didn't worry me too much, but when he fought, um, I believe it was Callum Johnson, 
he was hurt. I mean, he was hurt bad in that fight. If, if Johnson just jumped on him, I think that fight was over. Not that Johnson, he's also a very strong puncher. I just think with the chin, it could come back and haunt him. I still think skill-wise, Bivol's the best, but Bivol also is a little bit small for 175. I mean, I could honestly think Bivol could easily make 168 if he wanted to. And I, I can't knock your better beef pick. I mean, he's, I think, the only champ I can think of that's undefeated and has all his wins by knockout. So, I mean, the power is definitely there. I just don't know when he faces the upper-level guys and he gets hit how he reacts. I mean, also, who do you think is going to win the fight, man? I'm going to go with Gvazic. Again, I don't know about the name. I think technically he's a little better. But at the same time, we haven't really seen him get popped either. So I think this fight could come down to who ha- – well, I think it will come down to who handles whose power better. Obviously, better beef's better. I think um, Gavazic has a better chin. But will better beef's ha- stronger power be able to overcome the nail's better chin? Or the na- uh, Gavazic's pretty good power be able to c- overcome better beef's I think lesser chin. I think someone's definitely getting stopped. I'm going to think that it might be better beef. I think Gavazic right now I'd, I'd give the edge to just because technically a little bit better, and I think his chin's a little bit better. But we'll probably see you around October or November. That's what it's looking like. That's excellent, man. That's that's That, to me, got potential to be fight a year, man. That's a great fight. You know, props. I think top ranks is – they're promoted to both of them, if I'm not mistaken. I know they definitely have G- Gavaznik. And, I, yeah, I think that bet they recently signed Better Beef because he was with the Canadian promoter. So, yeah, they do have Better Beef as well. They have both. So, shout out to Top Ranks for making that fight. That's that's an excellent fight, man. Definitely, definitely a good one. Some other boxing upcoming news that really hasn't hit the circuit too much yet. Uh, originally, we talked about Broner and Selby might be fighting each other, but thankfully to the boxing gods, that fight is not happening. It appears Broner's going to be fighting Ivan Redcash, who just had a big knockout win against Devin Alexander. I'm not sure what the weight of the fight would be. Redcash is fighting mostly at 140 as of late and recently went up to 140. I think it was eight for the Alexander fight. And as for Selby, he's going to be fighting Javier Fortuna in the WBC lightweight title elimination fight, which is going to be in September in the UK. And overall, that's actually a good fight. Uh, they're probably two of the top 10 guys in that. Yeah, I would say because that's right. Selby went up to that weight recently. So I would think they're both lower in that weight division. So it, it, it's not a bad fight. I mean, it's not the most exciting thing to watch. But style-wise, Selby's a boxer. Fortuna puts on some pressure, has some pretty good hand speed. I mean, I'd watch it. It's not too terrible. So my only comment is about this particular uh, event that you just mentioned. Is Adrian Broner in the same category as Sam Peters and Amir Khan, where he should just get the fuck out of boxing, retire? I mean, I just hit... Adrian Broner, man, like, does he really? I hope Red Cash knocks him out, but she won't because Broner has a good chin. But I'm tired of Adrian Broner. I'm tired of these. I mean, boxing is just, it's, it's literally the sport where people just stay around and with this, this false hope. Like, he's never going to win a, he's, he's not going to win a title again at 47 or 40. 
he probably can't make 35. His, his neck alone probably weighs 135 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, like, what the fuck is he fighting for? Like, tell me, like, shout out to Adrian Broner, but what, what, what is he fighting for, man? I mean, sadly, he's still getting million-dollar-plus paydays against anybody, which makes no sense because I don't want to see Broner fight. I mean, I think outside the ring, I think he's a detriment to the community, and he's really not, I mean, a role model to anybody. Just he's just seems like he's not a good person. As a boxer, he has a skill set, but he doesn't let his hands go. I don't know if that's because he just doesn't care, he's lazy, or – his chin's good, but he doesn't want to get it that tag too much in a war type fight. And maybe that's why it is. I, I don't know, but I, I just hope he falls off a cliff. I mean, as a person, I, I don't particularly care for him as a box. I don't really particularly care for him. I don't really see anything that makes me care if Brona fights again or, I mean, even to sound harsh, he even lives. I mean, I, I really dislike him to that point. Do he fuck your mother or something? Like, no, no, I, I just think that it really makes, I mean, not to go into social aspects, but, you know, it really just brings down, you know, when people think of stereotypical things of, of African-Americans, you know, people see Broner and they're like, ah, look at all these. And people categorize. And this is something that goes on. We're going way off topic here, but something that goes on with Trump today, you know, categorize everybody by the actions of one person. And to me, if I was famous, if I was well-known, I would definitely try to give back to my community and I'd try to help out my community, be a role model to my community. And this guy is just doing fuck off about everything. The thing, the story when he robbed the old woman a few years back when he was still boxing. I mean, it's just like, give me a fucking break, man. Just. And then what really killed me with, with him and his boys during the Malgiani fight afterwards, and I guess some of his boys were saying something and I don't know if you ever saw the video, but like, I guess it was people Malgiani's camp was like getting loud and like, and like his, his boys were like, like sign. Like, I, I thought you guys carried guns. I thought you were all gangsters and you're going to shoot the place up. As soon as somebody got mad, these motherfuckers just sat there on their fucking hands and just, and that was just dead silence to the world. I don't know. It's like, I, I don't understand in general why everyone thinks it's tough to be a, a cool or gangbang and all this nonsense. And especially if, if you're a millionaire, you're not running the street shooting. Well, maybe actually there's been reports with the shooting with this car. Maybe this idiot is, I don't know, but I mean, it's gotta be better shit to do with your money and your time in life, man. And you gotta be a better role model for your fucking community than, than this fuckery. I mean, it's just, come on, man. If he's listening or anybody knows him and, you want to give him out for a guest. I, I, I want to have a, not even a boxing related talk. I really want to have a hour heart to heart with this man and, and, and see if I can get through to him where he has to do better in life, man. You can make a positive change in not only your life and the lives of a lot of other people and you're just fucking it all away. And you could see him just five, six years from now being broke, trying to fight on club shows in Tijuana against like, I don't know, somebody that, I don't know. It's it's just I can't even just it just gets me upset to even talk about that guy. Just fuck him. That's what it comes down to. Just you could be doing a lot more help out everybody and you just unless secretly is then they don't promote it, but I just know what I see in the news and, and what I see in the interviews and, and you know the racist and dumb remarks he makes towards fighters and things like that. That shit's not necessary. And the side note, the boxing websites really promote this garbage. If you stop writing about this garbage, promoting this garbage, 
you know, some of these guys are going to go away. Like nothing against Hugo Fury, but he just had a thing on, uh, I think it's boxing scene where he just said he was the top five heavyweight in the world. You're not even the top five heavyweight in Britain. Shut the fuck up. Boxing websites needed to stop putting this TMC garbage up on their website set. I don't know who even reads this. So that's what the Facebook page, I'm, I'm not putting anything about this guy, call out this guy or, you know, a bunch of trash talk. I just just cover the fights in an honest way and just, you know, let us know about upcoming fights. I don't care about, you know, this guy said this about this guy or this or I think I'm the top fighter ever. And it's just it's just nonsense. And if boxing needs to be like Team Z and WWE to survive, then like WWE's feeling the heat from AEW. Who knows? Maybe bare knuckle one day takes over for boxing. I don't know, but. That was a real tangent off from boxing in general. So every now and then you have one of those. Yours is the Charlos. Mine is Adrian Broner. Well, let me let me tell you. Boxing nowadays, a lot of times, these fighters feel, and it's proven that they are, they make money with their mouth instead of their fists. And I don't know why this strategy is, is like, you know, like the Charlos, Broner, um, Someone like Javante Davis, you know, I heard him talk a lot of shit, you know. I mean, to Broner's credit, out of those three, he's at least fought people, you know. He's at least fought Garcia and, and Sean Porter and um, Pacquiao and whatnot. The only problem I have with, with Broner is, you know, like, you don't have to be a role model. I don't believe that shit, man. Like, there's, there's plenty of boxers out there. Like, De La Hoya put spoons in his ass, you know. It's like... <laughs> You put spoons in ass and still be a role model. I mean, to who? The LGBT community, I guess. I don't know. This. I mean, what what weird sexual fantasies and fetishes you have? You know, you could still be a role model regardless. I, I don't know. I don't. How how is him putting a spoon in his ass positive outreach to the community? <laughs> I don't know. PR can put some type of spin on it. Shout out to Spoons. <laughs> no, but no, to get get back to my point, like you know what, like you know, Broner to me is like the he like the black Ricardo Mayorga right now, man. Like this is just all this shit talking, all this shit talking. He's just getting he's taking beatings. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all. Mayorga credit. Some of the stuff he would come up with was funny. I don't remember who it was, but he told somebody when your mother gave birth to you, you came out the wrong hole. And I just thought that was just, you know, funny. When when Broner said something about to Mal Gianni about you'll be on the floor like a a, a dish towel or a, some, it was just made no sense. Even Paulie called him out like that was not even remotely funny. That was like some of the stupidest shit I've heard in my life. The only funny thing I ever heard Broner say was uh with Dan Rayfield about him wanting extra cheese on his burger or some shit like that. That, I mean, you know, a fat joke to Dan Rayfield is, is pretty good, man. I felt good about that one. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I funny I ever heard him say was that he thought he was a top pound for pound fighter. That was hilarious because you're not. <laughs> that made me chuckle really good. Well, he's never been a top pound for pound fighter. I mean, even at 135, I mean, uh, I've never seen such, I mean, <sighs> wasted talent, man. That's, that's, that's really what he is. And that's the other thing that gets me mad with him. Like you said, it's, it's a waste of, of talent overall. It's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to 
start throwing my laptop to the wall here. We'll move on to next week's fights. Uh, for anyone who cares, the Pacquiao pay-per-view, since it's so big, the Pacquiao Thurman, we actually have a show coming up. Should be released Thursday or Friday. We also have a special guest co-host. We're going to have three of us discussing the whole fight card. Uh, he'll be on to help us go along, give some predictions. So I guess three heads are better than two in that case. So that'll be coming up. Should be released Thursday or Friday. I'm debating. Uh, we ran into a few technical difficulties. So we may not have a contest for that card, but we will have one shortly. So stay tuned for that. And we'll cover the other fights uh, for the upcoming weekend here. On the Friday, the 19th, Teofimo Lopez is facing Masayoshi Nakatani, who I've honestly never seen. It's IBF lightweight eliminator on ESPN. I'm just going to say Lopez will stop him just by going off what I've seen from Lopez, but not knowing a lot about Nakatani besides, you know, record analysis. But I, I'm going to think Lopez stops him. I'm just not really sure when. But it'll be a good lead into the pay-per-view the night before. Shout out to your Lopez, man. It's, um, and Joe Campbell. Japanese fighters are pretty shitty. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Tia. I got to go with Tia Fima Lopez, man. He's, he's, you know, we're going to – I'm just – I want him to win so he can fight Comey. That's, that's the fight that everyone wants to see, man. Yeah, that that's definitely, you know, like you said, the fight that – it's there to be made as long as Lopez wins. But back to the Japanese fighters, there, there's some decent ones these days. Um, the monster, uh, in Inua, Inua, I always mess his name up like everyone else's name. But um, you know he's out there, and I, I think he's definitely one of the. I mean, he may close and be by the time it's over the best Japanese fighter of all time. There's uh, somebody else that I'm thinking of too. Uh, I don't remember. Like you said, Japanese fighters, they aren't as good mainstream, but there are some. I mean, Inuaz, the exception of being really great. Um, Ken Shiro, oh, he just recently fought. He's he's not too bad either. But like you said, it, it, it's hard to really gauge a lot of these guys. And a lot of times they fight each other. So it's hard to. Nakatani, for example, I don't know if he's even fought outside of. Japan, actually, I'm going to look real quick. Uh, I think he has. Nope, he has not fought outside Japan. And I, I really don't know of any of the opponents. Most of them have, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, you know, Asian-type last names. So who's to say how good he really is with who he's faced? But, I mean, we'll find out Friday. So, you know, tune into ESPN, and we'll definitely know Friday how good he is. <laughs> At the very least, Tune into ESPN because Teofimo Lopez is really, honestly, one of the most exciting fighters I have seen in, you know, in a, in a long time. So tune in because he's always looking for the knockout. Uh, he kind of, I mean, call me crazy, man, but he kind of reminds me like, like an Eric Morales, man. But, you know, I'm crazy. So fuck it. <laughs> On the undercard also is another good fight. Where you're kind of expecting a knockout, uh, Maxime Dadashiv is facing Sabriel Matias, a Puerto Rican prospect. Both have good records 13 0, 11 knockouts for Dadashiv, and 13 knockouts for Matias. It's, it's another good fight. It's an IBF Junior Welterweight Eliminator, and it should be another at least really good action fight. So, really, in the ESPN card, there's two really nice fights that fans can look out for. Yep, yep. I I noticed he didn't entertain my my 
comparison. I think Morales may be a little bit more technical, but also Morales, I'm thinking the whole career of Morales. You know, Lopez only has 13 fights, and he hasn't stepped up and fought, you know, all the A-plus opposition Morales has where you really saw Morales get pushed and everything is capable. But I, I can see the comparison. Uh, if anything, Lopez is probably even a little bit more heavier-handed just at this stage of the career from what I've seen. But it will definitely be interesting, especially Lopez versus Kami. I think that's really going to teach us something about Lopez because Kami is very, not really overly technical in a boxing standpoint. But, you know, he seems to have pretty decent chin and he has really good power. So it will definitely be I, – I picture whoever's chin holds up better mm. or at least whoever can get the punch there better, which I think favors Lopez because I think he's more technically sound than Kami, at least at – from what we've seen him at this point. Well, I mean, that's the only thing that we have to figure out from Lopez is does he have a world-class chin? We know he has power. Uh, you know, he has uh, good technique, uh, decent hand speed, but that we don't know about the chin yet. And if he faces Comey, we will definitely uh, figure out if he has a chin. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll know at that point. Uh, also on July 20th, since we're covering the pay-per-view on our next episode, uh, July 20th, Dazen has some good afternoon action. Three heavyweight fights. David Price are going to be facing off against each other. Uh, one of them is going to get stopped, probably the first half of the fight. Derek Chisor, odd-wise, is less than a 3-1 favorite, which I think is good odds for Chisor, against Artur Spleska, the Polish kid that uh, got stopped by... Wilder a few fights back, and also on the card in WBC heavyweight eliminator, Dylan White is facing Oscar Rivas. I don't think much of Rivas. He did stop Jennings the last time out, but I thought the fight was very boring and ugly to watch, and it seems that Rivas can be outboxed, but I will say White's really not a boxer, so it should be interesting because style-wise, they're both doing what each other wants. So that's the only reason I'm giving Rivas a slight chance style wise if he can connect to white we've seen white hurt in the past and we've also seen white down uh not down well down late in the fight against Parker but white also seems to run out of gas at a certain point in the fight too so it, it's going to answer a lot of questions as far as Rivas if he has a chin if he can you know keep going through 12 rounds and maintaining a pace because the Jennings fight, he didn't really have to throw a lot of punches. Jennings has kind of moved around a lot, so it was hard for him to throw, so he was economical. But he did stop Jennings in the 12th. At least Riva showed he does carry his power late. So I think it makes it for an interesting fight. I don't, I don't think Riva has any chance of being White. I don't see that, man. I, I think White, he, he's a heavyweight that no one ever gives credit to, man. Like, everyone wants to see... Uh, Luis Ortiz and, and Wilder and Andy Ruiz now and, and Anthony Joshua. No, no one ever gives credit to Dylan White for being like a, a real top five heavyweight in the world. I kind of, I, I kind of concur. I mean, White beat Parker, which was nice. That was a good win, but at the end, you saw White just tank where Parker had one or two more rounds to start a little bit early, probably to one. But hey, it's a twelve round fight. White won the Joshua fight. You know, he had Joshua hurt. You wonder if he would have just maybe landed one or two more shots. You know, White maybe at this point could have been the heavyweight champ. 
instead of, well, Joshua just lost the belt to Ruiz, but, you know, maybe it would have been White that everyone was talking about being the heavyweight champ instead of Joshua. You know, if he just landed one or two more shots and whatever round that was, I think it was the fifth or I don't remember. It was one of those middle rounds when he had Joshua hurt. But uh, the only reason I give, like I said, Rivas a shot is because we've seen White hit, we've seen him hurt, and we've seen him run out of gas in certain fights. So if that happens, you know, you got to think White is also the same guy that struggled with Chisora. And mm. a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I mean, it was 50-50 where people actually thought Chisora won that fight too. You know, David Hay, you know, on one of his last fights, you know, I think it was the fifth round, just took Chisora's face off. Not to say Hay wasn't a great heavyweight, well, not a great, but he had good punching power and speed. But I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on White. The Rivas fight, I don't think is going to have me sold on White either. But I think if White winds up facing, you know, the top top tier guys, um, well, he already lost to AJ. But if he rematches AJ or Wilder Ruiz, you know, those types of guys, I just want to see how he performs in another fight. Now back to Adrian Broner. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was a too harsh on the guy. I don't want to see the dude die, but I just want him to see him do better. At least not, even if not for the community where you're like, fuck the fans and the community and the place they grew up at, but do better for yourself. You know, let your hands go. Stop talking and fight. I'm not asking for a lot here. He's a millionaire, so he's doing pretty well for himself. Oh, he is. Is like I said, if, if people keep getting paid, if he keeps getting millions of dollars to fight, you know, whoever, I mean, why would you retire? Especially since you're not taking a lot of punishment because you're not letting your hands go and you're just kind of fighting defensively for 12 rounds. You know, you're not not like the Medina fight. The Medina fight, he was getting tagged in. But also that was Broner before he took a loss and thought he was invincible and thought he could just roll over Medina. Like I said, I, I would never go to a Broner fight. Uh, I, I stream most of my stuff now, but even when I had cable, I, I wouldn't watch it. I would just watch on YouTube just not to give the ratings to whatever channel that is showing Broner. I, I just don't particularly like the guy. I can't fight the feeling. I just don't like the man. And that is all, folks. <laughs> that wraps up this week's episode. And again, on Thursday or Friday, we're going to release our pay-per-view episode, which we're just going to cover the six fights of the pay-per-view. Uh, six really good fights. You can start on Fox Sports. We'll start, at, I think, at seven and be the lead into the pay-per-view. I, I, I'll stream the pay-per-view because I'm I'm cheap. But if I was going to buy a pay-per-view, this would definitely be one I, I'd be confident in buying. And honestly, I'm thinking about buying it just to you know show support because overall the card isn't. I mean, it's a really good pay-per-view card. It reminds me of some of the early Don King cards you would see from the 80s or 90s where you'd get like four, five, six fights on one card that were all interesting in some aspect. Absolutely. It's definitely a, um, one of the best cards of the year, if not the best card of the year. I'm really looking to looking forward to seeing John uh, Molina fight. I'm looking forward to that. Against Lipnets. That should be a good one. I mean, the only fight, I mean, the Plant Lee is in the 50-50 fight, honestly. Um, but we kind of knew that going, and Michael Lee's just cashing in the subway money. And the Neri against Piano, that that's not a 50-50 fight. But every other fight, you can make a case for either side winning. I mean, the odds may not be 50-50, but you can make a case for those other four fights, 
either side coming up with a victory out of six fights that that's you know impressive where you know you could see a path where Thurman wins so you could see a path where Pacquiao wins so I, I'm just gonna sit down and grab some snacks and maybe some wings or something I'm just gonna sit there and enjoy a good wholesome night of probably five six hours of boxing plus with the days in card beforehand I mean, those heavyweight fights, those last three, they're not really too bad either. You can really have a really solid Saturday coming up with boxing for a good probably 10 hours if you just want to sit in front of your TV and just watch boxing. This would be the weekend to do it. It's definitely good to be a boxing fan. I look forward to Thursday or Friday. Definitely me too. And um, quick side note, Facebook has the Quigley-Johnson uh, fight I just thought of. That's on the Facebook stream live, I think, 10 or 10.30 on uh thursday night so if you care to watch that you can but uh until i would say next week but again uh either thursday or friday or release our pay-per-view special hopefully there's some more lines out we're gonna have a special guest from another website to talk about boxing so it'll be the three of us and um hopefully again the lines if they're out we can you know dive a little bit deeper as far as into the betting aspect of the sport which is what i like getting into so hopefully they at least have half the lines out, and that would be pretty good. We can kind of look at those lines and see where people can make money uh, as far as prop bets or outright picks or over and unders or whatever the case may be. All right, so <laughs> we'll see you guys on Thursday or Friday. Special guest, and hopefully we can make some money and enjoy some boxing together. See you guys soon.